Right, sons, travelers, today is a very, very cold January day here in New England. Uh, extremely cold. I think it got down to like negative uh, two, uh, which, I mean, it, it's it's cold for for what we've been getting the past few years. Maybe not cold for your neck of uh, the woods. I, I don't know. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what kind of weather you're getting. Anyway, this is the Bright Suns Podcast, the show for pop culture nerds like myself to obsess over, dissect, love, cherish, uh, love, I think I already said that one, all the things in the geekdom, uh, Marvel, Star Wars, comics, DC, video games, science, anything we feel like talking about, we are going to talk about. And boy, are we talking about some good stuff today. Uh, like the Book of Boba Fett, episode five, which was just insanely good. Uh, and also some thoughts I've had about some other stuff, movies, and Marvel, just because I'm a well-rounded geek. <laughs> so, I mean, starting off, like, right off the bat, I, I almost hate to talk about it, but God damn it, Evangeline Lilly. Like, look. Okay, so Evangeline Lilly uh, decides to post something on Instagram, uh, and, and it's it's saying that she's against forced vaccinations. No one should be forced to vaccinate. Uh, and And you know what? I, I'm going to shock probably a few of you, especially if you follow my Twitter. I'm going to shock a few of you. I'm I'm against forced vaccinations as well. But that's because that's not what we're fucking doing. <laughs> like, it's it's sad because what what we're seeing is Evangeline Lilly falling victim to the the right wing uh, fucking victim complex. You know, like they want to say that the government is forcing vaccinations and the and the government is 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 doing all of these crazy shit you know um the american government might not be uh, i don't know about other countries i haven't really followed a lot of the news but the american government is not forcing vaccinations and when i say forcing here's what i mean forcing vaccinations is is when a police officer or the military shows up to your house ties you to a chair and jabs a needle in your arm against your will. That is forcing. That is a government forcing itself on on your body. That's not what's happening. What's happening is is that there are private businesses and and public organizations that are trying to do their fucking best at curbing a global fucking pandemic uh, in which people are are doing the absolute stupidest shit. Uh, so they're doing their best by uh, basically. <laughs> It's telling you there's going to be consequences for not being vaccinated. It is 100% your choice if you choose not to be vaccinated. It is also 100% everybody else's choice to not let you participate in cool shit like school and, I don't know, fucking hospitals. Now, the thing is, I, I know this is coming on the heels of uh, Fox News and all these right-wing you know, news media bullshit uh, coming out against that story of the... Uh, heart transplant patient not being able to get a heart transplant because they refused the COVID vaccine. Now, the thing that Fox News and none of the uh, other news outlets are probably saying, uh, as far as I know, is that that's standard fucking practice for an organ transplant. And it always has been. You can get denied for not having a flu vaccine, for not having a fucking MMR vaccine. You can get denied for for any of that shit because when you go in for a transplant your immune system is suppressed they intentionally do that so that your immune system doesn't attack the new fucking organ that guess what doesn't belong to you your body is going to recognize that unless the immune system is suppressed and slowly you know kind of reactivated now not being vaccinated against covid and not being vaccinated against anything else in, uh, holy shit, does that increase the likelihood that you're going to die? Not from, you know, complications with the heart failing necessarily because, you know, like the heart transplant failing, but just dying from COVID, which will ruin the heart. <laughs> It'll ruin the, the organ that they're giving you. So that's why they denied this guy. It wasn't because they're trying to politicize the COVID vaccine. That's what you fuckers have been doing. But they're just literally trying to say, we need to give this heart to someone who's going to do what it takes to fucking live. So I know, like, there's a part of me that just knows that that is what prompted Evangeline Lilly's stupid post. Now, I don't necessarily, oh God, I, I don't necessarily blame Evangeline Lilly because I honestly think that she and a lot of people are just victims. They're not necessarily choosing to 
you know, buy into this information necessarily. You know, it's, it's a weird, complex thing. But social media is a fucking cancer. And I know I engage with it constantly, but social media is fucking cancer. And I really feel like Evangeline Lilly got caught up in, in a little bit of, of right-wing media. And then it just slowly kind of evolved that way because the algorithm was like, hey, you responded to this. Let's show you a little bit more right-wing shit. Oh, you responded to that. Let's show you a little bit more right-wing shit. So what she posted was basically in, uh, you know, I, I, you know, against uh, forced vaccinations, quote unquote. And, and that's, that's, that is a, a such a fucking right wing victim complex bullshit because nobody's forcing you to get vaccinated. They're literally just saying there's going to be consequences for choosing not to be vaccinated. And, you know, freedom does not mean freedom of consequences or freedom from consequences. Like uh, a lot of these people talk about freedom of speech. Well, I should be able to say whatever I want online because I have freedom of speech. Well, no, <laughs> You know, the government's not going to put you in jail for disagreeing with the president or, you know, whatever. The government's not going to put you in jail for for all of this bullshit, especially like COVID misinformation is huge. They're not going to put you in jail for it. They're just going to, you know, the, the private company that you're engaging with online, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. It's a private company. They have every right, according to the terms of service, to deny you service for whatever fucking reason they want. So if you don't like it, whatever. But that's not a freedom of speech issue. Anyway, I'm fucking rambling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So she posted that, and and now people are saying that you know they've got to uh, they've got to recast the wasp uh, because Evangeline Lilly can't do it because of of COVID vaccine misinformation or whatever. And I'm I'm in it like a tricky place with that idea because I I don't want to say that what she said was misinformation. Um, it's, it's like the literal step right before misinformation. Like she didn't come out and say the bullshit stuff that you've seen people say about COVID vaccines uh, and how they're causing damage. I don't, I don't think she said anything like that. I, I really quickly looked at the post, but I don't think she said anything like that. She just said people shouldn't be forced to take vaccinations they're uncomfortable with. And yeah, that's freedom. You have the freedom to choose not to be vaccinated. The rest of the country has the freedom to not let you participate in the cool shit that we get to do, like go to bars and have family trips and be alive, <laughs> you know, like live through a pandemic that is entirely preventable. So, so I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence. I don't, I don't think that she necessarily needs to be recast over what is, you know, it's borderline. It's definitely borderline. And if she continues, uh, then then absolutely something needs to happen. But I think she's she's at the point where somebody can still walk her back and still say, hey, listen, uh, this is this is why what you posted is inaccurate. This is why what you posted is is is, you know, you being manipulated. And, you know, this is why you should maybe consider uh, being an advocate of vaccines. Like here's here's information that is a contrary to to what you posted. And, you know, I, I feel like in the internet age of, of outrage, we tend to jump on people extremely early uh, and extremely hard. And that causes people to go into kind of a fight or flight mode. So, you know, and, and, and it really kind of reveals who they are. But maybe we don't necessarily need to do that, especially with Evangeline Lilly. Uh, I mean, we did it with Gina Carano and, and she absolutely deserved everything coming her way because when she doubled down, she kind of proved that she's just annoying and just this right-wing misinformation, uh, transphobic POS. We don't necessarily know that about Evangeline Lilly yet that I'm aware of, <laughs> but uh, if we if we pressure her, we might force her to double down just as a self-defense mechanism. That's what people do is, is when you challenge their beliefs ex like extremely hard, and not give them kind of an opportunity to learn. You just kind of say, oh, well, that's it, Evangeline. You're fired. You're fired now. Marvel's going to get rid of you. She might panic and double down on her beliefs. And then that's that's just pushing her towards a lot more of the right-wing misinformation. So I would say that somebody at Marvel really needs to sit Evangeline Lilly down and just say, listen, I'm not going to you know, recast you just yet, but here is why vaccines are good. Here is why we need to, it, here's why the, the type of post that you posted was dangerous. I think that's the thing that really needs to be said. 
is here's why what you said is potentially harmful. And and I think if somebody has this conversation with her openly and calmly and, and doesn't address her as a, a fucking villain just yet, then maybe there's a chance that we can kind of pull her back towards sanity. Um, and, and, you know, I, uh, God, I love, I love Shuri, the character Shuri from Black Panther. And, and I know that we did the same fucking thing to Letitia Wright when she said her stupid bullshit. I don't know exactly how that turned out, but I know she's still on for Black Panther, uh, Wakanda forever. So I don't know if she's walked back her statement. I, I haven't looked it up. I'm not going to look it up right now because, um, I'm in the middle of recording a podcast where apparently, Hey, this is just a COVID podcast now. Oh my God, I can't believe I've been talking this long about this. Anyway, let's, let's get into like the main shit that you guys, you guys listen to my podcast for. So thank you for putting up with my, my COVID bullshit right at the beginning. Anyway, uh, so my wife and I watched The Eternals over the past weekend. Uh, it's available for no additional charge on Disney plus right now. And I, I got some thoughts about it because, you know, it's, like right off the bat, I'm gonna say I it's not the best Marvel movie. There's there's a lot of issues with it. Um stuff that I I, I don't think yeah, well, I, I you know, I'll get into that in a second. Anyway, uh so a real quick synopsis of the movie. It's uh, you know, these immortal beings called the Eternals were sent to Earth thousands of years ago by a celestial. Uh I am totally blanking on the name and I didn't write it down in the show notes, so whatever, it's a celestial. Uh and they're they're kind of Goal is to guide and protect humanity from these uh, these weird creatures called deviants. Uh, and and thousands of years ago, they thought they killed all of them, but they were never given instructions to return home or anything. So they just kind of chilled out on Earth and you know hung out with humans. Uh, you know, fast forward to modern day, one deviant shows up and it's just evolved, like clearly evolved. It's got powers that it shouldn't have, uh, and the Eternals find out that. They've been lied to their entire lives, uh, that their memories keep getting wiped after every planet destruction. And Earth is just kind of an egg for a celestial to burst out of, which is going to kill all of mankind in the process. Uh, Except for the Eternals, who are are immortal, but they're basically like celestial robots. Uh, it, it It was kind of a cool idea. Um, so the Eternals, you know, they defy their God. Cersei turns this newborn celestial that's starting to burst out of the earth into stone and saves the day. So she and the other remaining, uh, Eternals on earth are after everything is, uh, you know, everything's happened. She and, and the other ones, they get abducted by their celestial God and taken elsewhere. And this like really cool, like kind of red black hole effect. Uh, but it sets up the future movies. So, you know, there's stuff to, to look forward to. Uh, and then... There's the end credit scene, which I'm going to talk about uh, because I think those are the most important parts of the movie. But my overall thoughts of the film, the movie is it's fun enough. You know, it's it's not it's definitely not one of Marvel's high points, but I really think the hyperbole around it has been like it always is hyperbole. It's it's exaggerated. It's uh, it's not really I don't think it painted a, a clear picture of of how good the good parts of the movie were or how bad the bad parts of the movie were. It's, it's always, you know, if something isn't hundred percent perfect, then it's the worst thing that's ever existed. That's, that's always the case with people online. So I, I tend not to trust people when they tell me that a movie is absolute shit, uh, because I, I, I never find a movie that's absolute shit. I found a lot of enjoyment out of this movie. Actually. I really thought it was, it was good. It's just that it kind of, it doesn't really work. And there's a few reasons why. So I see a lot of people, they, they compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy. And it, it, it makes sense to compare it to Guardians because Guardians is another movie where it is a team up of heroes. Uh, but but Guardians obviously worked very well. And in my opinion, it's because the characters were mortal. They were much more relatable. Uh, and, and there were just fewer characters to develop. I think that's basically the problem is there were so many Eternals. I, I, I don't know if there's like 10 of them or something, but th- it was, it was a huge team. And, you know, I, I think honestly, there probably could have been two movies, like one movie to really develop each character and flesh out this kind of main conflict, which leads into a sequel where they, they finish the conflict. But that would be a risky move because it's, I mean, unfortunately it's not exactly the most important story in the multiversal war saga that they're they're setting up. I mean, sorry, Marv. Sorry, sorry, people that were in the movie. It's just, it's, it's not, you know, that 
key of a project to to get right. So they I don't know if they'd spend the money or time to actually do two movies. So, you know, another option they could have had was to go for a three-hour film. But again, that's super risky because three-hour runtimes tend to dissuade audiences from actually going to see a theatrical release. I mean, look at the Batman. I think the Batman is going to have about a three-hour runtime and people started losing their fucking minds saying that three hours is way too long for a movie. Okay, but you fucking loved Zack Snyder's Justice League and that was four hours. I think three hours, it probably could have gotten a very good Eternals movie and, and we could have gotten just a bit more out of out of the characters because that's mainly the thing that I see is that the characters didn't really have great chemistry. They didn't have a lot of, you know, uh, they didn't really flesh out a lot of the characters. They kind of each had like one, one, they were kind of all just one note characters. They all had like this one personality trait and that's all they would do. That's all they kind of had. And then maybe they'd give them a little secondary trait or whatever, but it, it was weird and it didn't really work. Ideally, and this is just my opinion, I honestly think the Eternals would have done better as a Marvel Disney Plus series. Uh, Marvel is fucking killing it with their shows. I mean, every single one has been fucking amazing. And, you know, maybe the Eternals would not have been the most. I, I think it's 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 possible just because I, I don't know if a lot of people really were into the Eternals. I know I have literally never heard of them before the movie. Uh, and I know there's people out there that are like, the Eternals are my favorite character ever, and this movie screwed it up. And I honestly, I feel bad for those people because I, I don't, I don't get it because I didn't, you know, spend all my time uh, reading the Eternals and getting and getting caught up in their story. But that's the thing; every character is somebody's favorite, so that's why I don't like to like shit on a lot of stuff. Uh, and and I'll let them shit on it, whatever. But it's not my place to tell people that these characters are pointless or whatever. Like, I I just, I think that Marvel didn't choose kind of the right avenue to pursue. I think a movie, especially a two-hour or under movie, uh, just, just wasn't the way to go. So I think it would have done better as a series because in a series, uh, just intrinsically, you have more time to flesh out characters. You have more time to tell kind of a grander story, but mostly it's it's the development that can happen over that time. And that's what all of these shows on, on Disney Plus have really been for their Marvel characters is just development. So, you know, I think that, uh, that it probably would have worked better as a series because they would have had more time. They would have had like, it, it, it would basically have been like a six hour movie. And I don't know like what budgets are like as far as TV shows versus movies. I want to say that they're probably fairly close, but I, I just, I don't know. I don't have that information off the top of my head. So, Honestly, I, I just, I think it probably would have done better as a series. I'm curious what you guys think, if you would have watched it, if it was a series rather than a movie. But I think the most important aspect of the movie was actually the end credit scenes. Uh, one in particular, because, and it was the second one. The first one, you know, with Harry Styles was just kind of, eh. It's, it's introducing that the Eternals are probably going to have a new ally, and I guess it's Eros, um, with a new role for Patton Oswalt as Pip. Uh, but you know, whatever I don't, that one, that one I think was so inconsequential and I think it really is only going to matter if they ever create a second Eternals movie. Um, I don't know what Marvel's strategy is if they kind of greenlit an Eternals two already, and that's definite that they're going to do it or if they'll cancel it or if they don't have anything planned yet. I don't know. The first end credit scene I don't think was super important. So, uh, the, the second one though. The second one was the interesting one for me because that one, uh, so, so there's a character in the film, uh, Dane Whitman, uh, maybe doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, um, it means a lot to certain people, but the, the character is played by Kit Harrington. And at the end of the film, he, he kind of alluded to a, a complicated family history, uh, before, uh, Cersei was grabbed. Uh, and, and the second end credit scene shows him opening a box and it's got a sword in it. And the sword is, is wrapped up and it looks very old. And when he goes to touch it, and he's clearly very, you know, very not excited to touch this thing. <laughs> he's very nervous. Uh, and he goes to touch it and, and it kind of like, I mean, it, it looks very strange. It, it's almost like, it, like a, a, a symbiote or something. Like it starts reaching out toward him and it's just, 
it's very weird. And, and, and I didn't know what to think. I, I didn't have a lot of uh, history with uh, the character or knowing exactly what this is, but uh, it starts to kind of reach out at him. And then he hears a voice and, uh, and he just stops dead in his tracks. And the voice says, sure, you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman. Now, uh, anybody that knows, uh, the, the voice is, is very, very clearly Mahershala Ali. And if you've been following any of the Marvel casting rumors, uh, you know that Mahershala Ali was cast in, I think, 2019 as Blade. So obviously, this is Blade uh, talking to Dane Whitman. Now, I had to do some research on this because I didn't know. Uh, but I guess Dane Whitman was a character um, known as the Black Knight. I, I didn't know that. I, like I said, I, I had to do some research. I didn't follow the character, so I don't know. I, I don't know anything about the Black Knight. I've, I've heard that the sword is cursed and it causes insanity. Uh, but the important part is Blade. Blade is the important part because uh, this is the first time that this character has been on screen since the Wesley Snipes version, uh, which admittedly, you know, as, as goofy as some of them were, those were some of my fucking favorite movies back in the day. They were so good back in the day. I loved them. The the uh, the CGI was really good. The character was just so awesome. And I think Wesley Snipes did a fucking fantastic job uh, as the character. Uh, and again, I never I never read the Blade comic book, so I don't know um, you know the detailed history of it, and I don't know how well Wesley Snipes uh, kept the the comic books. But I know that I loved the shit out of the Wesley Snipes version. And I know that I love Mahershala Ali as an actor. I've seen him in a few things now. <laughs> so I think he's going to fucking kill it as, as Blade. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that immediately got me thinking. Uh, so they're introducing Vampire Hunters, or at least the Vampire Hunter Blade. Uh, now, what we know from Spider-Man No Way Home is that uh, Sony appears to be fucking all in on cashing in on this multiverse thing. So they handed over uh, Tobey Maguire, they handed over Andrew Garfield. And what do we know about Sony is that they're creating a new movie, Morbius. And Morbius is a fucking vampire. So my prediction is that they introduce Blade in the Eternals because Blade is going to show up in Morbius. That is, I, I... Fucking, I'm calling it right now. Blade is showing up in Morbius 100%. I am, you can call me out on that later. Right now, I'm saying it's happening. And I am so fucking excited now uh, because I cannot wait. I want that to be maybe not a huge part of the movie, maybe even just an end credit scene. You know, just shows up and, and Morbius is just chilling there. And then he just, he gets, maybe that's where we will actually see Mahershala Ali's first on-screen appearance as Blade instead of just voice. So I'm calling it. I'm calling it right now. It's happening. Morbius will feature Blade. I am 100% certain of that. So that that's really uh that's really all I think was the important shit to know about the Eternals. Uh it, it's kind of like Venom Let There Be Carnage. Uh if you haven't seen it, it's it's not the greatest movie. Uh it definitely it has a villain problem. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's not as interesting as the first one, as far as, as a villain, uh, not that the first one necessarily had a, a smart or well-written villain. It was, the second one was, I think, more problematic than the first. Uh, it had some parts that were better than the first and it had a lot that was worse, but, uh, you know, it gave us Venom traveling in the MCU. That was, that was literally the first instant that we had in the MCU where we knew, holy shit, Sony is bringing in their characters to the MCU. That is fucking incredible. We had, we had, you know, an idea that it was going to happen maybe through leaks, but Venom, let there be carnage, the end credit scene when he travels to another, another universe and sees Tom Holland's Spider-Man on TV. That's when we knew for certain that this is definitely happening, that this is all the rumors are true. And, and it's, it's happening. So I was, I was so fucking excited when I saw that end credit scene. Uh, but again, the movie itself, not great. It wasn't the best. I, it's not one that I'm definitely going to return to. And it's just like the Eternals. I'm not probably going to return to the Eternals and watch it over and over again. It's just, it, it didn't really do it for me. 
And the end credit scene, though, with Blade, holy shit, super excited. You know, like, I, I think that there's certain movies that take place in the MCU and obviously now beyond that their their major important thing that they do for the MCU is literally just the end. And that end credit scene that leads up into something it like that, that, you know, the whole movie could have been 30 seconds, just the end credit scene. But you know what? They, they got a story to tell. They're going to include the Eternals uh, in, in the multiversal war, whatever. So it's important that they get told and that they get introduced. Otherwise, we have, you know, even less of a connection to them than we do now. So whatever. Anyway, let's talk about Book of Boba Fett, huh? So I'm hoping you guys watched episode five. Uh, it premiered yesterday and holy shit, <laughs> the, the episode was insanely good. I fucking loved it. My, so my wife and I, uh, we watch it together every Wednesday night and my wife's not, you know, the biggest Star Wars fan. And especially with Book of Boba Fett, she's just, she's not as interested in it as other shows. Uh, last week's episode, episode four, really drew her into the Book of Boba Fett. So this one, she was like invested in. And so when it came time uh, to starting the episode and it literally started off, uh, spoilers, by the way, uh, if you if you don't want any spoilers for the Book of Boba Fett episode five, uh, why are you listening to the show? Anyway, uh, skip ahead to the absolute end because I'm, this, is, this is the last topic I'm talking about for this episode. Anyway, so the episode literally starts off with Din Djarin, Mandalorian, okay, comes out. And that the, the entire episode is about him. Uh, kind of a bold choice, but not necessarily a new one. I mean, other shows have done stuff like this where they devote an entire episode to not the main character, the title character. Uh, but the entire episode was about Din Djarin and basically kind of what he's been doing since he relinquished Grogu to Luke Skywalker. So obviously he's still taking contracts. He's still a bounty hunter. He's still doing all the, the bounty hunting, but he's got the fucking dark saber. And he, oh, it was so satisfying to just see him again and to see him do his thing. But the thing is, he's not a Jedi. He doesn't know how to use a lightsaber. And th the dark saber in particular is a very unique one. Uh, and he is having a lot of fucking trouble with it. So literally the first fight that he gets into and he uses the Darksaber, he fucking almost cuts off his own leg, which is what most of us would do if given a lightsaber. But but he burns the living shit out of his leg, like really bad to the point where he, he it's, it's a good thing nobody else wanted to fight him after that because he would not have won. So he goes back, he sees the armorer and the who is left of his Mandalorian kind of uh, sect of 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 Mandalorians. And he talks to the armorer and, and he's got his Beskar spear still, and he's got the dark saber and he's training with it. And it turns out that if you fight the dark saber, if you just try to control it through force of, of will, the dark saber fights you back and it gets heavier. And he, you know, Din is just having a hard fucking time because he's used to just weapons being blunt instruments, just things that you swing and you, you, you put your force in your, your, uh, muscle and your willpower behind it. And that's, that's not how this thing, uh, is going to work. So he's having a hard time with it. And one of the other Mandalorians, I don't, okay. Now this is the thing. I don't remember if in, uh, Mandalorian season one or two, the large, uh, Mandalorian that, that was part of the, the sect, uh, that was, uh, you know, I, I can't remember his name or, or I can't remember if they said his name in the first two seasons, but they said his name in this episode and his, his, he's part of clan Vizsla <laughs> and immediately, uh, like my wife can attest to this immediately. I had to stop and rewind and hear that again. And I'm like, holy shit, he's part of clan Vizsla. Oh my God. Is he going to be really pissed? <laughs> he's going to, he's going to fuck this the whole thing up. And lo and behold, I was right. He immediately, uh, upon, uh, hearing about the dark saber, seeing the dark saber, he wants control of it because it's literally his ancestor that built the goddamn thing. Uh, Prey Vizsla had it in the Clone Wars. So he, uh, you know, not not wrongly believes that it should be as a, uh, you know, a part of, of him. It should be in his possession. Of course, he needs to win it through combat. So he challenges Din 
to uh, fight to uh, to do it. Din, being the Mandalorian he is, does not back down from the fight, uh, but he doesn't do too well. <laughs> and and you know the two of them are fairly evenly matched, and Din does come out on top in the end. But the armorer stops the fight early, and the armorer asks both of them, uh, "Have you ever removed your mask or your helmet?" Uh, of course, uh, the Vizsla, he can say, no, no one's ever removed it. And I have never removed it in front of anybody. But Din, he hesitates and he has to say that he has, otherwise he's lying. So he does. And he's fucking, he's fucking booted. He's booted from the Mandalorians because of this. And it's so fucking frustrating because you're looking at it like, ah, mm, you don't realize there's not many of you left (laughs) and, and you're kicking out this dude because he took off his helmet and and you're literally the only mandalorian sect that does this you know you're literally it nobody else does this bo-katan takes off her helmet all the time boba fett all of the other ones have always taken their helmet off all the fucking time you guys are the only ones that don't i think they know that and i have some theories on that that i'll get into in a minute but uh so he's he's booted from from the mandalorians he can't be a mandalorian again unless he uh, travels to Mandalore and uh, does something with the waters underneath uh, underneath Mandalore. Now, it's the the caves have all been destroyed, and Din knows this, so he's like, "I'm basically fucked. There's no way I can be a Mandalorian again because every, the only way that I can become a Mandalorian again has been destroyed." So he packs his shit up and he leaves, and he heads back to Tatooine, and that's where you know the rest of the episode kind of takes place. Uh, he gets a new ship. It's uh, a Naboo Starfighter, and it's the coolest fucking ship ever. I I was never like a huge fan of them, uh, the Naboo Starfighters, uh, because uh, you know I wasn't I wasn't crazy on on the overall design. Uh, you know, it just looked like a Stingray, but minus like the big flap flaps, um, all yellow. You know, it, it it wasn't great. But somehow this episode made me fucking fall in love with them. Uh, and, and it introduced a BD droid for the first time in a live action project. And now I want a BD droid so badly. (laughs) Not that I didn't before BD one in, uh, uh, Jedi fallen order. If you didn't want a BD droid after fallen order, uh, you're not, uh, you don't have a soul. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, he, he, it goes through a lot of, a lot of the episode is him just getting that ship ready. And, you know, once he gets it ready and it's fucking fast, uh, I, I would actually say it's probably faster than the uh, Millennium Falcon by a large margin because it basically went into like hyperspace speed without going into hyperspace. And, and it, it even confused the X-Wing pilots who saw it. So the most of the episode is about him just building that ship, getting that ship and uh, uh, meeting with Fennec Shand at the end, who... Offers him uh, a job with Boba and and he he says, hey, listen, don't pay me. I'm going to do it for free because found family in Star Wars. Who the fuck had thought that a main fucking idea in Star Wars would come back, right? Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, the, so the episode ends with with him uh, saying that he he needs to go find Grogu first. He needs to he needs to pay a small friend a visit. I believe it's Grogu. Everybody believes it's Grogu. So the episode was fucking phenomenal. And I'm sorry that I just literally spoiled everything for somebody. But like I said, I was going to spoil it. Skip ahead to the end of the episode. Come back for episode uh, whatever, uh, 11, 12. I don't know what episode I'm on right now. Skip ahead. Uh, But anyway, so the episode was just fucking phenomenal. It had so much that just left me feeling satisfied. And I, I hope everybody out there had the same reaction because it was so fucking good and it had and and you know you can say whatever you want about it about being um you know fan service or just you know nostalgia bait whatever but it it just it gave so much and like i said uh, you know a little bit earlier it was it was a bold choice to have this episode take place uh entirely around din Djarin instead of boba fett but they're really setting up for something i think at least and we already know because tomorrow morrison kind of uh, kind of blabbed a little bit saying episode seven is going to be insane. Uh, so we're two episodes away from that. We have six and then we have seven. Uh, so they're, I think they're setting up for something huge. And if you think about what Boba Fett has around him right now, 
<laughs> so it's Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, Black Kersantan, a fucking Rancor, <laughs> and now Din Djarin. And you know, I, I don't know if I said Fennec Shand. Anyway, Fennec Shand, Din Djarin, uh, possibly fucking Grogu, possibly Ahsoka, possibly Luke Skywalker. Who the fuck knows? This could go anywhere now. <laughs> This, that is what is so exciting is that, holy shit, this could go in so many different directions. And it's, it, I, as far as we know, it's literally just to take down the pikes, uh, which obviously are dangerous, are dangerous, dangerous uh, syndicate. But y- it kind of feels like Boba Fett's going to go in and fucking destroy them with the amount of backup that he has right now and the amount of of people he's he's uh, accruing for this this. I want to call it a criminal underworld, but they're really, I don't even feel like they're criminals. They're just, they're, they're like good dudes who just aren't Jedi, <laughs> you know, like it's, they're, they're, ah, I don't know. I love the fucking character so much. I love what they're doing with this show. I'm so fucking excited. And there is so much to try to predict about future episodes. And that's where I want to get into for this part is some of the predictions that I've seen online and the predictions that I personally have about where they're going to go. And and I, okay, fuck it. Let's just get right into it. So uh, the first prediction that I've seen a lot of is uh, the the future episodes, uh, at least maybe in Book of Boba Fett, maybe even in The Mandalorian, depending on where they go with the next couple of episodes, is that uh, Din Djarin is going to learn how to use the Darksaber. Now, we've seen somebody learning how to use the Darksaber before in uh, in Rebels with Sabine Wren, uh, who, by the way, has been cast for a live action role fucking amazing in Ahsoka. And so, you know, it's a possibility that, uh, you know, uh, Din Djarin is going to learn how to use the Darksaber. Now, because he said he needed to go see Grogu, there's a lot of speculation that he's going to learn from Luke Skywalker how to use the Darksaber. I, my personal opinion is I don't think that's necessarily the way they're going to go with it. Just based on kind of a, a, kind of logistical standpoint, I guess, uh, as far as uh, visual effects. I, I really think it would be maybe a bit beyond what they're willing to spend for a, a show, uh, especially one that, you know, they don't know how well it's going to do, even though they know how well The Mandalorian did. They, they don't necessarily know how well Book of Boba Fett's going to do uh, before they, they made the show, I should say. So I don't know. If it's going to be Luke, it's a, it's entirely a possibility in the way the story is going. It would absolutely make sense. But my personal thought, especially since I believe Ahsoka is going to be the next series that comes out for Star Wars is it's going to be Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka is going to come back, um, somehow and Bo-Katan and, and pretty much everybody that was in the Mandalorian season two for that whole arc. Uh, I think Ahsoka is going to come back and Ahsoka having fought against people using the Darksaber, I think she's going to kind of know how this thing works. And and being a Jedi who is extremely versed in lightsaber combat, more so than Luke Skywalker. And I think she's going to train Din on how to use it. Uh, that That's my guess is that it's going to be Ahsoka uh, who, who, you know, maybe even that'll be where we get to see Ahsoka meet Luke Skywalker for the first time. And maybe the whole experience just completely fucking throws her mind for a loop where she's meeting the son of her former master, uh, the one who turned dark. And now her her former master's son is like the epitome of the light right now. Uh, she is literally the embodiment of the light, by the way. But he is like the top Jedi, the top dog in the Jedi. And, and maybe, you know, I don't know. I feel like that, that would just fuck her up for a while. And that might lead into uh, what's going to happen in Ahsoka. I have no idea what's going to happen in that show. I have theories that it's going to really heavily involve the world between worlds. Uh, but we'll see when that show comes out. We'll see what happens. So in the episode, we do see uh, the armorer building something uh, for a foundling. Uh, Din says he wants something for a foundling, and we see them uh, creating this out of the Beskar spear because the armor says that Beskar is not supposed to be used for weapons. It's supposed to be used for uh, armor. Now, granted, Beskar is what the Darksaber hilt is made out of, but I guess a special kind of Beskar, so I don't know if it counts. But anyway, we see the armor forming little tiny rings out of it, like little, it looks like chainmail. So I honestly believe 
that what she created was a set of Beskar chainmail, a very tiny set for Grogu, because he wants something to give to Grogu to protect him in the future, uh, because he's he's very tiny and he needs protection. And and who knows? Uh, you know, the Jedi, you know, maybe they don't let him wear heavy armor, but maybe he can wear that under his Jedi robes. But uh, the armor does uh, the most unintentionally cute thing, uh, ties the, the whole thing in, in a, a little bit of cloth. But the little bit of cloth, you know, it was very intentional for the show, uh, but the armor didn't intend for it. But tied into uh, this little bow that looks exactly like little Grogu's head. <laughs> And obviously it's intentional for the show because uh, Din uh, looks at it just like Grogu's head. Uh, and he, he, you could tell he's in so much pain. He just misses Grogu so much. Uh, and, and just be ready to uh, start leaking some tears because the, the scene where he, he looks at it like that and it just is in the shape of Grogu's head, you can feel it is palpable in like how much pain Din is in uh, not being with him. Like, obviously, Din is 100% this, this little guy's uh, adoptive father. And I, I, I love it because, again, it follows the found family motif that Star Wars is literally built upon. There is another theory that it's not, uh, it's not chainmail armor. It's actually a uh, necklace, a chain. And that the little ball that uh, Grogu was obsessed with in the Razor Crest, uh, that's, he, you know, Din turned that into a pendant. You know, just something not maybe doesn't protect him, but it's just something to to let him know that uh, Space Daddy loves him. Space Daddy loves his his little green butterbean. So <laughs> I like that theory. I don't know how likely it is, but you know, we'll find out. I, I really think I think based on the size of the overall package, uh, that it's it's a set of Beskar chainmail. Um but you never know. It could be anything. It could be it could be literally anything. Going onward with the the uh, predictions that I've seen, uh, there's a prediction. I, my personal prediction is that BD is going to become the next kind of cute companion for Din Djarin. Uh, maybe while Grogu goes and gets his Jedi on. Uh, BD, uh, he and BD really kind of seem to have a connection, like uh, more than any of the other droids. Uh, it really, and, and it was just in one scene. Uh, but it's literally a scene in which a BD droid does little tippy taps because he's so excited. And it's it's the cutest thing I've ever fucking seen in Star Wars. Uh, I, I would I, I would put it against Grogu as the cutest thing ever to exist in Star Wars. Fight me on it. I don't care. <laughs> so uh, going forward, I think, you know, the, the next uh, episode could be Fennec and, and Din going to, to find Luke Skywalker and Grogu. It could be. Uh, that Boba and Mando work together to clear out the pikes. And then maybe, maybe the whole series is leading up to Boba getting the Darksaber. It's entirely a possibility that this entire series is is set to end with Boba being the the rightful leader of Mandalore. And maybe maybe setting up the entire, what you know, what is left of the Mandalorians, uh, including the, the weird... Uh, you know, cultist sect that that Din belongs to, you know, all uniting under Boba Fett, who technically shouldn't have any right because they keep saying he's not a Mandalorian, you know, but I think I think he's a Mandalorian. I think he's got every right if he gets the Darksaber, however the show wants to do it. So that is entirely possible that, that that's where the show is going to go. I also think that uh, based on how long ago they cast the the actress for Sabine Wren, maybe, maybe Sabine Wren is going to be the one at the end of the Book of Boba Fett who gets the Darksaber. And maybe that's where they're going to end it. And that's how it's going to lead directly into the Ahsoka series, which my personal belief is that the Ahsoka series is going to focus on Ahsoka and Sabine going to rescue Ezra. Uh, I, well, I mean, we know that that's going to happen because they've cast Ezra. But uh, I, I think that, that maybe... Uh, Book of Boba Fett will end like leading directly into that uh, or, you know, leading directly into Mandalorian season three. Who knows? I, it's impossible to tell. That's why these are all just predictions and just fun shit to talk about. So another one that I saw, I really do like this, um, is that Din's sect uh, of Mandalorians could be because they're following a, a much stricter, like stronger creed uh, that focuses more on, on, uh, you know, kind of, 
I don't know, puritanical views, I guess. Uh, very, very strict on the helmet thing, very strict on fighting, very strict on uh, not you know, uh, not being weak, essentially, uh, it's entirely possible that that sect comes from maybe whatever was left of the Death Watch or, and, and this one I fucking love, is any Mandalorians that were loyal to Darth Maul when Darth Maul was ruling Mandalore with the Darksaber. I really think that that is entirely a possibility and that we'll find out that Din's whole like overly religious sect of of uh of mandalorians came from fucking darth maul like how fucking cool would that be uh i i think that is you know all of these predictions i think have some kind of 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 likelihood of being true and i want them to be so badly because there, there's just so many cool fucking things to think about of where this show could possibly go and and it's it's wide fucking open and the entire like the timeline that we're in is wide fucking open for stories you know there was there was a tweet earlier today that i said i, I you know in my tweet i said i was going to take the high road on it and, and it the tweet that somebody had posted was that disney should decanonize the sequel trilogy so that these shows in the post return of the jedi uh, era will have you know more room to grow and and i honestly think that there is already just almost unlimited potential for where these stories can go and where uh what stories they can tell because there's a significant chunk of time between the return of the jedi and the force awakens and so there's there's this whole amount of time that the only thing that needs to happen is is when you start catching up to where the force awakens is certain things just have to be in place and that's that's the same exact thing that the prequel trilogy did the prequel trilogy had a defined kind of end state Things had to be in this per in this certain state by the end of the prequel trilogy that, uh, you know, things had to be kind of forced into certain starting positions for the, the original trilogy. It's literally the same with this period of time in the Disney Plus shows. They have, like, an entire galaxy full of stories to tell. They can tell whatever stories they want as long as when the timeline catches up to where The Force Awakens starts or, you know, gets close to, you need to just have the First Order be a thing and and that's that's literally it you just need to have the first order be in existence you don't even necessarily have to tell the story of how the first order started you can and it would be fucking amazing because it would tie into the sequel trilogy but that's literally the only endpoint that you have to have is that the force awakened or is i'm sorry the first order is a thing and luke skywalker is missing that's it that's it that is it that is the only endpoint that you need there's there's fewer endpoints for this than there are for the prequel trilogy, I think at least. So I really, I really think that these these stories that are coming out in this era that we're in is just so just ripe for storytelling, and I think there's so much that they can squeeze in, and I fucking love, I love that we are getting such incredible fucking stories out of it, and 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 I do mean fucking incredible. This is some of the best Star Wars that has ever existed, hands down, and and. If you're not enjoying it, I feel so sorry because this is, it, it's, it's the best storytelling. It is the best time to be a dedicated Star Wars fan and, and let yourself enjoy this shit because holy shit, are we getting fed? We are getting so overfed. And, and, and I consider myself so lucky to be alive in this time, in, in this time period in human history because we're, we're getting the greatest Star Wars stories ever told. And, and we're getting so much content, so much good stuff, so much, ah, uh, just the, the good, yummy center of these characters. We're getting these, these fleshed out characters that, that like, like I said in, in an, an earlier episode, Boba Fett was nothing before this show. Boba Fett was, was just something that people would draw on their notebooks in school. And now we have this entire character behind it and it's 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 fleshed out and it's beautiful and it's it's heartfelt and it makes you cry and it makes you feel things that you didn't feel for boba fett before oh i god i fucking love star wars so much i i i can't even describe it how fucking much this era in star wars and and this time in being a star wars fan and, and what disney is giving us i i, I never would have thought pre 2012 or whatever i i never would have thought that i would be saying thank god disney bought star wars because holy shit the stories we are getting i i don't know how much more my heart can take it's so full and it's it's 
incredible. And I really hope that you guys are having as much fun with this saga and this series and this universe as I am, because it's my favorite thing in the entire universe right now. I, I, ugh, I can't even describe it. It's, it's, I love Star Wars. I fucking love Star Wars. And I hope you do too. Anyway, that is all the time I'm going to take for you guys today. Now that I'm ending it uh, basically crying uh, because I'm just so happy. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning back in. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in every week and for interacting with me on Twitter and for just being the, the coolest fucking people I have ever talked with in my entire life uh, regarding Star Wars and Marvel and, and all of this fun shit. Uh, God, it is just such a good fucking time to be a nerd. <laughs> I love you guys so much. Uh, may the force be with you always. And and let's fucking have a great week, guys. Let's, let's look forward to episode six of The Mandalorian. I'm so fucking excited. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> have a great week, guys. I love you. <laughs>